There's those of you who are visitors. And to you, we say welcome. We're glad that you're here. We hope that something is said, something is done. The worship that goes on tonight will be encouraging to you. Something that will help you to be a better Christian, a better parent, and to encourage you with your children if you have children. The second class of people that are here tonight are the ones that it doesn't matter what happens, you're going to be at church on Sunday night. Nothing else matters. You're going to be here regardless. And then the third class of people are those of you who didn't read the bulletin this morning. <laughs> or you'd known I was doing this. So uh, I appreciate y'all not reading the bulletin. Spencer is a, uh, he's away with the Bible majors from College Ridge College. They're in Chicago on what they call the uh, World Religion Tour, where they go to several different religious organizations, learn about them, and I know that he's there helping them, and they're going in conjunction with Harding University. Spencer's an excellent speaker. He's a 20-plus year veteran, has his doctorate degree. I would invite you, if you're a visitor, to come back and hear him sometime. This morning, Jonathan spoke. Jonathan's our resident minister. He's not Spencer yet, but I believe that Jonathan is on his way, and he's doing a wonderful job, and we were all encouraged by the things that Jonathan had. And then they asked me for tonight. Now, before you laugh too much, it's going to be about a month and Michael's going to speak. So we're going that direction, Michael. That'll sink in in a few minutes. You witnessed Trey leading the song. You've witnessed the video. If you've been in this building in the last three months, you've heard the term Lads to Leaders and Leaderettes. Lads to Leaders and Leaderettes is a program that this church has been involved in from day one. For as long as we've had Valley View Church of Christ, we've been involved in some form of Lads to Leaders. We've had huge groups. We've had smaller groups. We've had different levels of involvement. But we've always had Lads to Leaders. You may know a little bit about Lads to Leaders, and you may think that it's something that either is very interesting to you or you have no interest in it at all. You may say, I don't have children, or my children are grown. All I have is grandchildren, and they don't live anywhere near here, and there's nothing I can do. That's wrong. There's a whole lot to be done. A little bit about Lads to Leaders. Lads to Leaders is a program that was started 50 years ago. It is a training program process that kids go through to learn to be leaders and to develop their leadership skills in the church. This is for boys and for girls. Now we know that we don't have ladies that come up and take part and lead in the worship, but yet we ask them to teach Bible class for our small children. There's ladies days, there's retreats, they need to hone their skills so that they have the ability and are prepared when the opportunity presents itself that they can teach and preach the gospel to somebody. These are the skills that are used and are brought out in Lads to Leaders. Fifty years. There's three generations of individuals that have been trained through the Lads to Leaders program. And it's a proven program. A little bit of statistics, just three short numbers, and this is really all you have to remember. Within the churches of Christ today, 
If you bring your child to church and you go home and you don't, you don't get involved in a program like LADS, after high school, the church is retaining 35% of our kids. I've started working with the college kids here at Valley View. I can attest to that number. It's a lower number of kids. If you don't participate, then what happens is when you graduate high school, all of a sudden, it's not important. Moms and dads, we've lost control. By the time they hit that age, we look at them, we say, well, son, daughter, I'd really like to see you in church. But when they don't show up, there's only so much that we can do. We're losing 65% of our kids when they're not involved in any kind of this training. If the kids will participate in a minimal fashion, it goes up to a 48% retention rate. I would define minimal fashion as I really don't do anything except what I have to do to get to go to convention. LADS is designed to be a year-round program. It's not just we start in January and it ends on Easter Sunday when we have convention together. That's not the way that it's designed. It is a year-round program, and that's what we're trying to work and get LADS to be. But if you have a minimal involvement, we see a pretty significant increase in retention for those young people after they graduate high school. Within the churches of Christ, to the kids that have been heavily involved in LADS and grown up and stayed in the program, moms and dads, grandmas and, and grandparents have pushed them and they've stayed in the program. By the time they graduate high school, the number of the youth that stay faithful is 85%. This is a proven work. It's something that teaches kids the value, the importance. They learn the Bible. They understand what is required of them. And we have it here. We have it at Valley View. This year we took 108 individuals to Memphis to convention. Of the 108, 53 of them were kids. 53 of our kids. That's a really, really good number. I meant to get with Michael, and I'm glad that I didn't, because I'm not sure how many kids we have in this church. But I know we have more than 53. You say, well, boy, you're up here just stumping for lads, and that's all it is, and, and I'm not that crazy about it. I don't like different aspects of it. You know, when you go to convention, you're in a competition. You're in a competition in song leading. You're in a competition in speech. All of this stuff is a competition, and I just don't think that the church should be competition because that just doesn't seem right that somebody gets third place in song leading or somebody didn't even get nominated with their speech. And I just think that that's wrong, so I don't want my kid to participate in that. I've raised two boys. Kim's helped a little bit, but... I've raised two boys who participated in LADS. One loved it. One got in it. He loved it until it got to where he wasn't winning. He loved it until he saw some injustices in the grading system. And it was hard on him. 
It's been hard on him because he feels like that it wasn't fair. It's not fair. It's just not. But it's not about the trophies. It's not about the ribbons and the banners and the places. It's about what our kids are learning, the values that they're learning, and the things that they're going to take with them. The things that the trophies represent. My son, that both of my sons did quite well in this. One of them has a box full of trophies. He lives in Fort Worth today. That box full of trophies is piled up in his room at my house, and he doesn't care anything about that box full of trophies today. But the things that he learned, the things that he experienced at Lads, are still with him to this day. It's interesting to me, well first let me tell you this. I'm probably going to make some people mad before I sit down tonight. And I'm being serious. There's going to be some parents that I'm going to step on your toes a little bit. And you're going to get mad at me and you're going to say I'm meddling. But I want to tell you something. 30 years ago, a man made me mad. Because he came to me and he lectured me on the fact that nothing was being done with our kids. And he made me so mad that I said, I'm going to shut him up. I'm going to plan a few things. And then when these kids don't show up, you wait till I catch him. Guess what? They showed up 30 years later, and I'm still just one of the biggest kids in the bunch. So if it takes making you mad to bring you to doing something, then I don't have any apologies for you. But I've never heard a parent who's taken a kid to a Little League baseball game, and when they lost the game storm out of the park and say, we're never playing baseball again. I've never seen a, a, a kid lose a high school basketball game and mom and dad walk out the door and say, that refing was horrible, we're never going back, you're done, get off that team, you're not playing again. But when it comes to the competition of lads to leaders, that's exactly what we do. I don't know what speech that guy heard, there's no way that kid should have won. My kid did much better than that. that. That happens. There's some injustices there. But it's not about what we bring home in the way of trophies. It's all about honing skills to be leaders in the church. Folks, we need leaders in the church. Who's going to do it? We have to look at these young people and we have to be training them and bringing them up right now and teaching them the skill sets that they need so that they can be Bible class teachers, they can be deacons, they can be elders, they can do the things that have to be done. When are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Take your Bibles if you would. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. This is what John read for us. I want to talk just a little bit about parenting and about a few things that the smartest man in the world said about parenting. And I want you to read this. Solomon, the Proverbs of Solomon written together. 
In, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament in your head and a chain about your neck. Hear the instructions of your father and mothers. Fathers and mothers, what are we to do? What instructions are we to give the children? Well, I think first off, it's our responsibility to teach them. What are we going to teach them? Verse 7 says, fear the Lord. Are we teaching them to fear the Lord? Do we fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? To respect God. We are to instill that within our kids, that we're supposed to respect God. And then the, the specific weight of that is handed to mom and dad. Mom and dad, we are the ones that are supposed to be teaching our kids. Verse 8 says, hear the instructions of the father. What are, fathers, what are we to instruct our kids in? How are we to instruct our kids? What does Solomon talk about? You know, we instruct our kids in the way of knowledge. We give our kids all kinds of instructions. We, we do. You know, I can remember telling my kids, don't throw your food. Don't chew with your mouth open. Look both ways before you cross the street. Don't play with matches. Don't play with guns. Don't text and drive. How many instructions do we give our kids? For somebody to stand up here and say, hey, parents, we need to teach our kids that, you know, don't go outside barefooted in the snow because you're going to get sick. Every parent in here will be going, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we want to do that. Don't text and drive. That's illegal. You could get killed. We're all in agreement with that. But we're supposed to be instructing them in spiritual matters. We have an obligation given to us to instruct our children in scriptural matters. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 22. We teach, we instruct, we also are to correct. Kids, do you know what it means to be corrected? Trey Fitz goes, <laughs> Anybody know what it means to be corrected? I'm getting a few nods from these kids. To be corrected. Smartest man ever to live wrote these words in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. How do you like that one, kids? I got a memory verse for you, Trey. Go home and recite that one to Daddy. 
He'll like it. The rod of correction will not drive it from him. Go to chapter 23 now. In chapter 23, verse 12 of the book of Proverbs, the Bible reads, Apply your hearts, kids. Apply your heart to the instructions and your ears to the words of knowledge. Parents, do not withhold correction from a child. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Well, we're not very political correct tonight, are we? Get your rod and start beating your kids, parents. Is that what it means? I think it does, Lori. Lori's going, no, I don't think it. Show of hands. I'm going I'm to pull a uh, Jonathan. Show of hands. How many of you have ever picked a switch? Yeah. I didn't see no young kids' hands go up. I grew up in a house that was full of kids, and my mom was the disciplinarian. Somebody got in trouble, it was mom. The worst thing you could do was when mom said, you go pick a switch. You didn't come back with something really small, or mom would go get a really big stick. I've lived my life with a switch on the top of the refrigerator. We got smart one time. We were going to hide the switch. Thought she can't spank us if she can't find that switch. Oh, yes, she can. You ever been beat with a yardstick? <laughs> if it wasn't a yardstick, the worst, flyswatter. water. I've been smacked with a plastic hanger. I didn't die. But I learned that when my mother told me to do something, that you did it. Now meant now, and no meant no. That was instruction that was given to us. Corporal punishment, and I know there's going to be some parents who say, I just don't believe in that, and I can't believe you're up there saying that. I'm just reading my Bible, folks. Solomon said corporal punishment works. It's part of the training process as a parent that we have a responsibility to do for our children. Kids want boundaries. They have to have boundaries. I've got a friend that works in a children's home, and I was talking to him last week. And he said they've got to have boundaries. Kids want to know where the line is. And they can move freely within that. They don't look for punishment, but they want to know what they can do, and they can do it freely. As parents, we have a responsibility to our children to teach them the Word of God, to instruct them in the way of righteousness, and to encourage them to develop the skills and to be the Christians that they need to be and that God expects them to be. That is a responsibility that we have. When we talk about Lads to Leaders and we talk about that program, it's a good program. It's a proven program. But if you're somebody that's sitting here that says, that's just not for me, I get it. 
I'm not going to stand here and tell you that if you don't have your kids and lads to leaders that you're a horrible parent. It's not that at all. It's just that that's a proven vehicle that's here that works. I'm going to beg you to bring your kids to Bible class. Sunday morning Bible class attendance needs to be better, parents. We need to bring our children here. They need to learn the stories and the things that are taught in those Sunday morning Bible classes. We have a responsibility to get them here to hear those things and to hear those lessons. And so many times it's hard. So many times it's hard for us as parents when we work and we have our jobs to get up and to see that we get those kids to church. We get them to Bible class. It's amazed me that we can get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, get on an airplane, fly three states away, and take four days off work because my son's in a t-ball tournament. Okay, so I'm exaggerating just a little bit, but you get my point. We will go any place and do anything for our kids and their sports. But when it comes to coming to the church building, when it comes to getting to Bible class on time, we don't have the courage, we don't have the strength to do that. I don't understand that. I'm challenging you to do better. A week ago last Saturday, when lads had their convention, and they had it in how many locations, Jeff? Seven? I can't see that. Seven different locations. Lads had conventions in seven different locations. From the kindergarten to the sixth grade last Saturday, there were over 20,000 children reading Scripture. 20,000 kids in the churches of Christ who had come together and on that Saturday were at convention at Lads and they're, leading, they're reading Scripture. I graded sixth grade speech at Lad. I sat in the room, I had 11 sixth grade boys, I don't even know where they were from because we don't know, they're just a number, so we, all we call them by. I listened to six or to 11 sixth grade boys give a three to five minute speech dealing with Jesus' words, do this in remembrance of me. Think about that. What are we teaching these children? They had worked on these speeches. They had researched. They had read their Bibles. They understood these things. And I'm going to tell you, it's, a, it's moving and encouraging when you see a room full of young men standing up giving a speech on the crucifixion of Jesus and what it means to take the Lord's Supper. That's part of the training that you have with lads. Some of you have sat here and you said, this whole thing does not apply to me. Because I'm too old. I don't have any kids around here. Or I don't have any kids in general. I want to beg to differ with you. We need Bible class teachers in this church. We need people to help with the different events that we do. Michael and April are awesome. I just spent the last two days with Michael and a bunch of our senior high boys on a little retreat we had. It was fun. It was good. But Michael and April are working. Michael and April cannot do it alone. 
we have many people involved in LADS. I'm not even going to begin to name them because I would miss people. But we have quite a list of people who are engaged in LADS and who are doing things there. Jeff Madden and Ryan Altum are our two deacons over that. John McKnight's not even over LADS. I thought he was next in charge of it. I was talking to him today. He's like, well, that's really not my scope. But he's there. He's working. Their wives are working. Perry Smith carried lads for a few years. Him and Don worked in that. I know the Carltons have worked in it. We've got so many that have worked in lads. Folks, we need help. We need help with our kids. We need help in our Bible classes. If you're coming to church and you don't feel like you're getting much out of church, all I'm doing is coming in and I'm sitting in church, I challenge you to get involved. Take one of these roles. Step in here. Randy Simpkins helps our boys with speech. Can you listen to their speech and make sure it's correct? You're doing that to me right now. You can do it to a bunch of 5th and 6th and 7th grade boys. So, one of my fears, one of the things that I've witnessed as I've worked with our college kids, is kids that come to church... Mom and dad bring them to church, and they bring them to every church service. But they don't get their kids involved in anything. They let their kids make the decisions as far as what I'm going to do. Son, do you want to go to that devotional tonight? No, Mom, I don't want to go. Okay, let's just go home. That's how it happens. Do you want to go down there? And do you want to, you want to go when they're, they're going to be lads? Do you want to be involved in lads? No, I really don't like that. I don't want to go. Okay, then let's just go home. We have people bringing their children to church every time the door is open. And when these children get to be 18, 19 years old, they leave the church, and moms and dads turn around and look at youth ministers and look at the church and say, you failed my children. I take that pretty serious, folks. When somebody points at the church and says, the church failed my children. I took my kid to every NBA game from the time he was born to the time he graduated high school. Why is he not playing on the NBA team? He was at every single game. Now that's stupid. That's a little silly. But we apply the same thing to the church. We bring our kids, we set them on the pew, we pick them up, we take them home. And when they say, I don't want to do it, we're okay with that. Moms and dads, we have a responsibility not to be okay with that. To push our kids. To encourage our kids. To teach and to train our kids. And you need to be doing this at home. Well, this is a real cheerful sermon tonight, isn't it? Spencer didn't know what he was getting into when he asked me to talk about this. I love this church. I love our kids. I love every single one of you. I have a tremendous appreciation for the men and the women who work so hard with our youth. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm passionate about our kids. And I want them to succeed not just up through their high school years. I want them to get the foundation that they need. I want them to be encouraged. 
I want them to be told not to quit. You can't quit. You've got to keep going. You strike out, you don't go home. You strike out, you go practice, and you come back. We need to do this for our kids. It's our God-given responsibility to teach our kids the will of God. And that is the responsibility of the parents. Home life may not be good sometimes. I get that. Moms and dads may have issues and struggles and troubles. And I understand that. But parents, I'm going to ask you something sincerely. If that's your situation, if your home life is bad and your marriage is on the rocks and you're struggling, maybe you're a single parent trying to raise kids, you don't have to do it alone. We want your kids. We love your kids. We want to help your kids. We will help you if you will encourage them and bring them to us. And then show them the love and the encouragement at home that they need. We have a responsibility to one another and to God to be involved and to help one another, lift one another up. I'm going to ask the older adults here tonight to encourage our young, par our young parents, our young families. If you've raised your kids, good. Go to one of these families that's pulling their hair out because they're dragging two, three, four kids in and they don't know if coming to church is worth it. If you've raised your kids, encourage that family. Sometimes that can look like nothing more than just simply saying, going up to them and saying, you know, I've been watching you and I admire you for bringing your kids in here. You've got such nice kids. And it's such a pleasant thing to see you and your kids in this church. Just a little encouragement. It's what we're here for, it's what we're about, and it's what we want to do for each other and especially for our kids. I know this lesson tonight's been a little, bit, a little bit different. Spencer will be back next week. You'll be back on the A game. You won't have the subs of the subs of the subs up here. But I challenge you to do right by your kids. You may be sitting here tonight and you may be thinking, it's hard for me to do right by my kids when my own life's a wreck. When I've got struggles and troubles, it's hard for me to do the right thing with my kids because I'm, I'm so confused myself. If you're here and we can help you with this, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to do anything that we can for you. Maybe you're somebody that's here tonight and you're not a Christian. Mom, Dad, we're to set an example. We have a responsibility to set examples for our kids. It's going to be hard to set an example for a kid to say, you need to go to church, you need to be faithful to God, if you've not been faithful to God. Is it the prayers of the church that you need? Is it baptism that you need? Is it encouragement that you need? Whatever it is, let us help you. You have this opportunity as we stand together and sing.